I see myself as divine only because I can see you as divine. Okay? If I don't see you as divine, I can't see myself as divine. Dove, you've been involved for many years in exploring and explicating mysticism, both on your own as an independent scholar and also as a public intellectual of some sort, bringing it to the public. Yes. And from what we discuss, it seems like one of the core interests that you have in mysticism is in a comparative space, looking at what traditions might share between them and what we may be able to learn from those comparisons. And one particular interesting one that you mentioned to me one particularly interesting one is the relationship between between shamanism and Jewish mysticism. Yes, that's true. Which most people may not think to to connect or associate, mm. at least until recently. And I'm curious. I'm curious what that what those two juxtaposed terms and categories mm. uh, mean and evoke for you. I'll tell you uh, how it went in my history. Yes. The, actually, the, the first interest of mine in, in Jewish tradition after I left the ultra-Orthodox society, after I, I finished my, my period of time that I, I should be detached from all connections uh, to my religious uh, history and so on, after that period of time, I began to, to search again what is what what is the meaning of judaism for me what what i want what do i want to take from it to my life what what are my beliefs in concerning uh, that i'm jewish and uh, i'm fully aware of the jewish tradition and so on so i began my my new research of of judaism i began it in, in reading the bible again really with, as we say in Hebrew, with with naked, uh, uh, without shoes, kriya we say uh, in Hebrew. It means that we come to the to read the text like we don't know anything about it. Right. And for me, it was very very complicated because all my all of my youth and and, and my childhood, I was. I was studying the old midrashim and old stories that uh, uh, the, the, my 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 teachers tried to weave them into yes. into the way I I see and read the Bible. Yes, and for me to 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 suddenly to 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 have a, a, a meeting with the Bible with these uh, heroes and with these. Uh, uh, judges and prophets uh, uh, without the all uh, interpretations was uh, uh, a revolution for me because I, I suddenly I, and gradually I uh, understood that the core of of of, uh, of religious life the core of uh, spiritual life that is that I find in the Bible has nothing to do with the kind of spirituality and religious uh, 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 behavior that I find in the late Judaism. And then I, I try to understand the, the Bible. Uh, the, 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 there are a lot of levels and, and, and sources in the Bible. But I try to understand the Bible and the resources in just reading the text. And it was a revolution, as I said, because suddenly I, I began uh, to understand the, 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 the revolution of Sinai, otherwise than I was taught before, etc., etc. It, it has a lot of implications. But... Concerning your question, I, I found myself reading uh, uh, sources in the Bible that even when I, I am trying to understand them with the, 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 the interpretations of Chazal 
and the Talmud or even afterwards, it's, it's still a big riddle. It still doesn't make sense. What is going on, for God's sake, when people like Avram and, and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and, and other people are, are uh, uh, going and, and make a sacrifice for God? What, what is going on in their mind? What is all Sefer Vaikra all about? What is going on there? What is the the all Sdarim uh, uh, of of Korbanot, seven goats and seven parim and and minchot and wine and what does it mean if if we don't believe in a God that is eating and 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 sleeping, etc. What is the meaning? What is the religious meaning of it? And when you are going to the Talmudic interpreters, uh, they they don't know. Really. It's not it's not only they don't know. You feel that they don't understand the basis of that spiritual language. And in the other end, they don't understand the basis of what is it uh, to uh, be uh, uh, to, to be a priest to to idols or to worship idols. They don't understand that. Even the 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 poet in 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 Psalms, when he's saying they have a mouth they don't speak, they have uh, eyes they don't see. It's a caricaturistic uh, 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 interpretation of what is it, idols. Yeah. And I want him to understand wh what does it mean. How could it be that a person, in, an intelligent person, is going and standing before an idol, no matter what idol it is, is standing before an idol and is worshiping? What's going on here? There is something here that I don't understand. There is a very big issue in the, the biblical world. It calls idolatry. The God of Israel is talking about all the time. All the prophets are talking about all the time. A lot of mitzvot and, 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 and laws in the, in the Bible are dealing with that issue. And it it looks like the, that nobody understands what's going on there at all. So my voyage took me to, to both uh, sides of the world. Uh, one step was to understand the, the language of idol, uh, uh, idols. Of uh, idolatry. 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 Yeah. Idolatry. I, I always confuse with adultery. Them, yeah. They are confused as well. They're, it's the same, yes, maybe. Yes, yes, yes. In, the, in, the, in the, the eyes of the Bible, yes, it's, it's yes. rather the same. Yes. But my voyage took me to India. Okay. And uh, what I was doing in India for uh, several uh, uh, weeks, I, was, I, I wasn't touring uh, India. I was sitting in, in temples all the day. And sometimes, if they let me, even through the night, I was sitting there and just listening and watching and talking with people, talking with priests, talk, talking with common people that come to the to the temples to understand what's going on there. And uh, uh, I don't. I don't say that I, I can now say that I'm full, I fully understand what's going on there because, you know, I'm programmed as a Jew, as a Jew. Uh, but it, it make, made me closer to understand. And what I understood is, is something that takes me off to the other side of the world, to the shamanic world. What I understood that most 
of the cultures that uh, uh, worship idols and had practices of, uh, of such kind, they believe uh, in the spirits of the matter. That everything that, that we see, we feel, we hear, we touch, has something spiritual within it. And you can, you can worship something that is a stone or a tree or anything else. And you can worship the spirit that within. And you can also connect with the spirit that is within the subject, the matter. And actually, idolatry, I said, right? Yes. Idolatry is not, is exactly, is not exactly what the, the poet in Psalms thought, that it's just nonsense, you know. Like the old story about Abraham uh, in his father's uh, store, and he goes and he's breaking all the, the idols in the store. It's not such a stupid story. People who, who worship idols, they believe in the in the in the spirit of the matter. They see the world not as a only in the surface level, what we can feel, touch, and measure scientifically, but also they they look into the matter. And actually, they are not so, so different from our uh, rabbis and, and, uh, and priests that of the Mekubalim, the people of Jewish mysticism. The Kabbalists. The Kabbalists. Why? Because also the Kabbalists accept that idea, that, that, that sense of living, that everything in the world, everything, it can be a stone or a tree, or an animal, everything in the world, everything that exists as the, the nitzots, as the, 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 the point of, of, of God in, inside the it. The spark of God. The spark of God inside it. So it's not so different. The difference is in one thing that the, the Kabbalists won't worship, they want uh, prayer, and they won't put uh, an idol uh, in front of them uh, uh, so they can concentrate to, to, to God. They don't do it. Why they don't do it, I can also understand. But for me, it was a revolution. As a yeshiva boy, as a, as a ultra-Orthodox, I, I saw the whole world of idolatry as, as nonsense. And suddenly... I saw something else. Okay. Then I went uh, to find the connections between Kabbalah and uh, cultures that still still live in such an environment. Of course, for me, it was a revolution because I, I suddenly uh, felt that I, I can start understand what's written in the Bible. Mm. I can start to understand. Mm. Because I, I'll, I tell you another example, and it comes from the shamanic world, actually. One of the, the issues in, in, in Sefer Vaikra, in the, uh, the book of Leviticus, Leviticus is, is the, the sacrifices, all kinds of sacrifices, all kinds of rituals that were uh, taking place in the temple. And of course, the fire, the fire is a main issue. Actually, that's the, 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 the words that open the, the book of Leviticus. Uh, and I was sitting with a, a, a Native American shaman in Mexico. Uh, and I was talking about the fire because 
in their way of, of living and uh, practicing, the fire is a big, big issue. There are rituals of lighting the fire, rituals of preserving the fire, rituals of, of meditation through the fire. It's a, it's a big in, uh, world in their way. And we were talking to, about the sacrifices in the in our tradition, Jewish tradition, and, so, and he suddenly asked me, for how, how long, for how many years you kept uh, Eshtamid mm. in the temple in Jerusalem? This, this fire that never was extinguished. How, yes. how many years? Is how it? many years? Yeah. And I said to him, probably in the first temple, it was 40, uh, 480 years. And something very close to that in the second temple so we're talking about hundreds of years and he was staring at me in astonishment wow you come from a culture that kept that that fire alive mm. for 480 years mm. you understand what you are saying to me what is the meaning of that? Mm. What effort? Yeah. Wow, suddenly I understand something new about the fire. And it's another revolution because when you are going back to the to Sinai, the base of the the beginning of, of the Jewish people, uh, of the Jewish culture. What is the main issue that you can see in all the pieces about Sinai in Exodus, for example? It always comes with the fire. The fire is the symbol of the God in, in uh, Exodus 3, the, 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 burning, the, bush. the burning bush with Moses. Yeah. And then when they come all together to Sinai, all this, the, the people of Israel came to Sinai, of course, the Bible said that the, the mount was, was all, all, by, all, fi all by fire. Was a, if you, you can imagine what does it mean, a, a, a mount that is... And, uh, and cetera, et cetera. What is the meaning of that symbol in... in early Judaism, what is the meaning of the practice, the sacrifice that's through the fire? What is the fire, a channel? What kind of a channel is the fire? What does it mean that God reveals himself itself by fire? It's another way of understanding our tradition. And it comes from a question that a Native American shaman asked mm. me, and that's for that's an example for to the other kind of voyage that mm. I made in Peru and uh, South America uh, to be to be closer to that to that world to understand the language of that world, the, the spiritual language and the ritual language of that world, and through that take all that understandings back to my culture, to the Jewish culture, and to read the places in Jewish culture that are so obscure, so uh, 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 unclear to take all that knowledge from the shamanic world and with that, and with the, the, these tools to interpret uh, 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 the places in the Bible we don't understand, it's not, on, not only a, a question of interpretation, of course. It's my feeling that these people that preserved the old uh, ways of rituals and living, if it's in India, if it's in South America, if it's another way, a place in the world, they preserve something that is very dear and very deep, and it's very necessary for us. Because it's something that is missing in our world. 
it's something that is missing in our way of thinking about our sources, about our Jewish identity. For me to take, uh, 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 to participate in a shamanic ritual in, in Peru, in the Amazonas, or in a, a, a temple on, over the Yamuna River in India, is to practice my Judaism. It's not idolatry. It's to practice my Judaism in a new way. Of course, I'm not worshiping idols. I'm not doing that. It's a big taboo in our tradition. But I can feel a brother when something, somebody else, which is his tradition, to worship that idol with, with his meaning, with his world, and to connect with the spirit of the world, with the spirit of the, the nature, that eventually, at the end, it's always the big spirit of all. For me, it's, it's very natural. The same, the same way that I'm, I'm, I can sit and, and pray near my Muslim friend, and we we pray. He is praying his Muslim prayers, and I praying my my Jewish prayers. And I'm in the same place with him, and I feel that we're worshiping worshiping the same God. I can feel it too, with 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 such with such a, a culture that I I mentioned before, and. Uh, uh, it comes, of course, with the, with the, with the, with something that everybody feels uh, now in the world that uh, we are in the in a place in time and history, in in uh, humanity, in human history that we have we have to connect with, in an, with another way to the nature to the forces of nature, and. And that kind of culture, shamanic culture, gives gives us the memory, the 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 deep understandings of how should it be such a connection? How can could it be such a connection? What are the tools to to uh, uh, um, to to make that the connections uh, alive? Uh, so yes, I'm I'm living a combination of uh, a deep Jewish tradition and the practices and knowledge from the shamanic and the, the uh, not only shamanic but also of course like in India from from Hindu and for other cultures what a fascinating journey and transformation to go through it's it's one which I resonate with because I, I grew up in a Hasidic community exploring being taught Chassidot, very abstract, metaphysical, cosmological concepts from a very young age. And I remember not understanding any of it until I encountered other forms of mysticism, Christian, Muslim, Eastern, and I could began to reread my own categories through the lenses, through the language of another tradition. And all of a sudden, oh, like that began to make sense and that began to make sense. And it's a journey which I'm still on. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm reflecting here with myself mm, a few years down the line. It's, it feels like a, a, an internal dialogue here as mm. well. I'm, I have two, two questions that are, that are sticking out for me. One is, if there is so much commonality and sharedness, what is the difference? And why? And it's not just a small difference. It's a difference which the Bible militates against. The Bible seems to be vociferous against idolatry more than anything else. It's the one prohibition which is repeated from the beginning of the five books of Moses until the end of the prophets right. more than any other. So what, what, that's number one is why. And maybe I'll, we'll start with that question and then I'll... It's a big question. And I think it's, it's not a question uh, uh, about the, the, uh, when, you, when you make a comparison between the two cultures, but it's a question inside the Jewish culture itself. Mm. Like when you, you read the story of the revolution in Sinai, Mount Sinai, what happens just right after the, the sky were, uh, opened and, and, and the people of Israel listened to the voice of God through the fire? What happened just right after that? They worshiped the, the golden calf. 
עגל הזהב. As the, the Bible calls it, עגל מסכה. And I want to talk with you a little bit about the, the word מסכה. What is מסכה in Hebrew? It means a mask. The Bible refers to idols as a mask. Of course, you can say it's a mask because a lot of idolatry are using the, mm. the mask for the rituals, etc. But there is also another expression in the, the, in the Bible, in the story of Sinai, that is very, very important. Like Moses said to the, the people of Israel, God was talking with you face to face mm. through the fire. Mm. That's what is written in, in, uh, in Deuteronomy. 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 I, I can't say the word. <laughs> I'm sorry. Devarim. Devarim perek hei. Okay. Chapter 5. Deuteronomy. The Bible says. That means that Egel Masecha, a mask, is the opposite of that revelation of Panim Bepanim. And that's the, the, my answer to you. Mm. That's the big difference. Mm. When a culture puts a, an idol, what is an idol? Idol is, is like a sign, a sign for concentration, a, a sign of meditation. When a culture puts a sign that is physical, material, The, there is no problem with that. The problem is that you put a mask between you and the face of God. Mm. Even though you know that it's not the God, it's only uh, something that you use for your meditation to pray to the God. But you put a mask between you two. You put something that is static instead of being aware that the encounter between people and God is a living encounter that is always, always changing. It's in the way, that's the code of the revelation in Sinai. Moses in the bush, when he asked, asked God, what is your name? God, is, God says, What does it mean in Hebrew? I'm open to all possibilities. The, all the possibilities of all possibilities. That's the meaning of It's like the face of human being, of everybody. That when I, I'm, I'm talking with you and I, I'm, I'm, I have a, an eye contact with you, we change our faces all the time. Simultaneously, because we are in relationship, everything, everything is changing through that period of time that we are connected. So is the meeting with God. If you put a mask, mm. even though you use the mask for thinking about God, you put something static between you. And And the worst of it is that when your kid see you, that you are praying to the mask, he wouldn't know that you only uses the mask to talk to his God, right. to, to your concentration. Right. He see the mask and that is God. Right. That's why Jewish tradition right. was so against idols. It's a fascinating reading of the prohibition. And it's, it's one which opens up a whole existential side of that prohibition. It's no longer simply a sort of a tribalistic, this is their thing, it's false, this is our thing. It's not about that, in my opinion. Right, it's not even false. There's a real reality there. Mm -hmm. The reality there is that the people need an image, right? The people, when they serve the golden calf, they, they, have, their, they have the face that mediates God. The mask for them is Moses, and Moses goes up the mountain, and he doesn't come back, and they make an idol because they need... And they need a mask to connect to. We can't connect. The conflict yeah, did something great to put right. itself on. Right. Exactly. Like I should care. Right. Right. There's this expectation here that we're supposed to interface with 
with raw reality, with the divine, with it's being itself as it is. Very difficult. Right. Yes. Uh, they don't want it. I I I read the, the story about the golden calf, not as a as a as a. How do you say it in English? Idarderut. Uh, that they they fell from the top of Sinai to the depths of of oblivion in the uh, the golden. It's not like this. I listen to do it very carefully. What they do? They say to Aaron, the priest Aaron, where they ask him to do the golden calf. They say, "Aselanu Elohim asher yelchu lefaneinu." They want a God that they that goes before them, that shows them the way. And the God of Sinai, the face-to-face God, is not a God that said it's what you should do or where you have to go. It's a God of freedom. And and the golden calf, that's why that's why God was so devastated after that. He was offended. Because it was such an such a thing that, that they said to him, and we are so mm. we don't want such kind of of religion. Mm. We don't want to have such such a God that doesn't say what to do mm. and where to go. Mm. We doesn't want a God that when you ask him what is his name, he's saying hey Yashele. Tells you riddles, right? What is it? Like one little. Great. Great. They want the concreted God that they know tomorrow what to do in the desert. Great. So they choose the Elohim not from stupidness, not from fool, mm. foolishness. It was a choice. They choose to have such a God. Why then were they wrong? In the eyes of Kabbalah, they did actually all all the Jewish tradition that we practice we we practice today is an outcome of the the story of the golden calf. Yeah. A lot of yes, uh, a lot of uh, tradition Kabbalah are saying very very explicitly that if the the people of Israel. Uh, and not uh, 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 worship the golden calf after uh, uh, the after the Mount Sinai. There were no need of alacha. The whole thing of alacha, the whole thing that the Torah is saying, you do that and you don't do that, and if you do that, you have a big punishment and so on, is. All that kind of religious is an outcome of the golden cup because that's what they wanted. What do they ask? They ask, we want you can listen to the word and you can listen to the word it's, it's from the same root it's the same verb of walking and they, that's what they wanted and that's what they get. A lot of, of Kabbalah sources are saying it very, very loud and clear. They said, all the, the mutarasu, all the mitzvot, all the alakha, is for people who don't want to decide by themselves. It's for people who ask for it in the story of the golden cow. Fascinating. And that's, and, and a lot of sources in Kabbalah, they said, and that's the Geula. That's the redemption. What would be the redemption? That the people of Israel will come back and be back in the place of face-to-face with God. And then they don't need all their rules and all the laws and all the halakha and all the shulchan aruch. Each one of, of them will know exactly what he should do and he, he would do what he prefers to do and free choice, etc., etc. That's the redemption. 
a lot of Kabbalists are talking about it. They're talking about it in other terms. They say, Torah, Torah, uh, Torah de Geula, in Chabad, of course, they are talking about a lot, and uh, Torah de Eretz Yisrael. In, even the Talmud saying, the Latid Lavo, Mitzvot Betelot, the Torah is, is, is uh, not in use. In, in that, in that uh, uh, times of redemption. Yes, this is a fascinating theme throughout Jewish mysticism, the, the end of the law in some sense, and this contrast with true Torah, as you're saying, the Torah of exile, redemption. The Torah of Sinai and right. the Torah of the Golden Calf. Right, right. That's a fascinating way to put it. Maybe another contrast is the Torah of the Tree of Life and the Tree of Knowledge. Yeah, it's another way to say it. Yeah. The Kabbalists are, are talking about about this issue in these terms. Torah de Etzachayim, Torah de Etzadat Right, it's the, the tree of knowledge, the knowledge between good and evil, whereas life, there is no good and evil in life. It's all just living, it's all being. The, the, the tree of good and evil is, is a problem in the eyes of the Kabbalists, not because it's, it's a tree of, of good and evil. The problem is when you cut it from the tree of life. The sin of, of Adam and Eve in the eyes of most of the Kabbalists I read about it, the, the, the sin of Adam and Eve was not that they were eating the apple, that they cut the tree of good and evil, they cut it out from the big tree of, of life. Right, right. The separation. Yes. The separation is the sin. Yes. It's, it's a really radical idea that the Kabbalists are talking about. And it's, it's an idea which, which is in the Bible itself, as you're saying. I think perhaps... It's an interpretation, of course. In right, it's a reading of the Bible. Yeah. I think perhaps this, this notion of a, of a new lawless law, in some sense, comes also from Jeremiah 31, where he speaks there of the new law that will be placed upon their hearts, where no one will need to teach their brother that they should know... Yes. There will be a flood of consciousness right. in the world. Right. Divine God consciousness. Yes. I wonder, though, these are really crazy ideas. Why is that so crazy? Crazy in comparison to the world that we live in now, both the Jewish halakhic world and their standard world of legality, morality, where there is right and wrong and good and bad. How much of this is pure abstraction in theory and how much of this is something which we can begin to implement in, in the world that will perhaps move us in a direction, how, how much is this descriptive or how much is this prescriptive? And where do we stand mm-hmm. in, that, in that historical space? Yeah, I think you, you are raising a very, very uh, uh, serious question. Uh, are, we, are we preparing ourselves today to live in a world that we don't need somebody from outside to tell us what's good and wrong, what's good and evil. I think we are getting closer to that kind of world. We are not there, of course, at all. But we are closer than any time else in the history of Jewish people, I think. And we see that, we see that here in Israel, we can see that the, a lot, a lot, and it's in raising numbers, a lot of people, Jewish people in Israel, when you ask them, what are you? Are you a Hasid, a Litvak, a, a, a religious or non-religious, secular or, or, or what else, whatever? A lot of people will tell you, I'm not that, I'm not that, and that. I don't want to put to, to you put on me labels. I don't believe in labels. I'm not a person that you can put on a shelf. I'm something that I take from here, from there. I build myself my, my, my world. So we, we see the, 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 the start, that halot. We see them. We see them. We, we, we know people that live like that. Yeah. Of course, there is the law of the, the state and so on, but 
We're not talking about that kind of law. We're talking about the law of what is the, the, the real way to be connected to God. About that kind of law we're talking about. And in that realm of law, there's a big opening in, in, that, in, in the last 20 years in Israel. Right. And, and I think if I want to be pragmatic a little bit, I think that what we need now is to, to start train ourselves. We, we have to, 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 we have to train ourselves for such kind of role that because most of us are not prepared for it. We are not prepared for it. I, I'll give you an example about an issue. Is the world is very, very uh, occupied with it uh, in these days. I, I'm, I'm talking about the, about the uh, gender. All, all the issue of gender, transgender, gender identity, all that big issue that now is going on in the world, and. And a lot of people are talking about the uh, open relationship, polyamoria, all kinds of ideas about how the way we should love, how the way we should connect with, with other people. And what you see that even though that people are feeling very free, spirited and minded in the practical world, in the real encounters between people, there are so many accidents. There are so many people that get hurt. There are so many miserable that going on with it. And that's why, why, in my opinion, because we are not trained for such kind of a world. We are the, the pioneers of a new world. And that's also in the realm of religion. Well, pioneers now and we're trying to do something else I know but we have to exercise we have to train ourselves yeah. because there, there is a reason that there are rules there are reasons right. there are mitzvot right. there are reasons for that and we have to be aware of the, the reasons not to go there as a as a blind man that goes into uh, into a hole in the street, the mitzvot, the the chukim, the laws of the Torah are there to say to you, "Hey, Mister, hey, Miss, there is a hole there. If you're not take care, right, right, put your attention in it. It's not to tell you what to do. It's like the Zohar is talking about the mitzvot of the Torah. The Zohar is." Talking about the mitzvot of the Torah in a, in a special word, it says 18 deoraita. What does it mean it's in Aramic? 18 is eight advices of the Torah. Hey, there is a hole there. I give you an advice. Look, don't fall there. Okay, but we are still pioneers. We need exercise. We need to learn. We need to practice our knowledge. Yes. We, we need to walk our talk. It takes time. Yes. I think some of the most dangerous moments in religious history is precisely people that thought that the messianic moment had already came. Lakshab Taisvi and Yaakov Frank, yes. This, this desire to, to make the eschaton imminent mm -hmm. is sometimes the most dangerous religious. Yes, moments. because they don't know, they don't practice it. They don't trend it. They think they can just jump in with you. And it's not like that. So I want to I want to move away from abstraction here and ask you, in a bit more practical terms, what is the, what is this vision of this? Because there are many different forms of post post law of a of a non or antinomianism that you're describing. There's some all the way from people like Augustine who says sin bravely because Jesus died for our sins, all the way to Lahavdil Alistair Crowley who says. That the whole of the law is that your will shall be, your will shall be the whole of the law, and from 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 purity and sanctity and piety and kindness to debauchery and orgies. Can you paint us a bit of a picture of of how this manifests? How how does what is a 
There is no, like... there is no sin. The only sin that is, is to, to risk your spark of God, which is inside of you by doing false actions and false prayers and false deeds. That's the only sin there is, or to do it to another person. And it's another way of thinking about sin. Even chapter three, for example, Yaakov Frank is, is a better uh, example. They were sinning so they can be closer to God. Okay, mitzvah ba'avera. Yes. But in my opinion, as I see things, it's not a sin. The, the, the terminology of sin is problematic. What is sin? Sin is not to obey, or sin is not to obey your inner voice, the call of God within you. So we, we look on the scene uh, in a different way. Okay, so we, we don't, I don't use that terminology, terminology anymore. Right. Maybe what I'm asking more specifically is how do we differentiate between the inner voice of God and pure old egoism and, and, and hedonism and lust? How do we differentiate those two? Because I don't think you want to in, well. in the relationship with the other. That's another big principle in Judaism. Like uh, the, 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 the attacks on uh, idolatry. The other tree in Judaism is Your, your ego and your, your, the call of God that calls you, it all steps. It's in kind to the, 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 the place of the other people uh, and the other people's rights, other people's Selem Elohim, other people's mission. So when you see a person that his, his spiritual voyage took him to do something that hurts people, that enslaves people, even one people, that means that he's not in the way. He's in the way of making himself an idol. But when you see a person that, although he, he is listening to his voice, but he still has the, the ability to listen to the other people's voice. So the other people at Selem Elohim, you know that is in the Jewish path. It's a very unique challenge. Yeah, it's a very, very big challenge. Right. I know. Only listen to yourself, which can lead to megalomania, of course, and narcissism. But what, when it's tempered by listening to the other, that the other is also the. Divine. I see myself as divine, only because I can see you as divine. Okay. If I don't see you as divine, I can't see myself right. as divine. Or you're creating yourself to be an idol, like you said, right, right. And you're, you say that this, what you're articulating now, you believe to be a message that's coming through the voice of the Kabbalists. I believe so. Yes, I believe that's what I believe. I, 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 I'm in the end find myself uh, deeply within the Jewish tradition. I'm not in the Jewish tradition. I, that, I don't identify myself in, with the Jewish tradition because of the Alaha. I do it because of the Kabbalah uh, and the Hasidut, because they gave me the, the, the gate to understand uh, the Torah and the Jewish tradition as a, 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 an authentic voyage towards God. I want to ask you an honest question. Mm -hmm. And um, this is just between me and you. I've been, I've been embarking on this own journey myself. In well? I've been embarking on this own voyage, this voyage, this journey of, of trying to renegotiate my relationship with Halakha, where it's no longer 
this is the law that you must do. And if you're doing it, then you're living with the word of God and, and finding conflicts between what I felt is the authentic voice of God within me and with what the standard halafic instruction is. But I see in my own life that the tendency, I love myself and I, I like to, I like to have a good time. I like to maximize my pleasure and minimize my pain. And when I step away from halakha, I'm stepping away from a framework of living that has ritual and practice and community. One that forces me to get out of bed in the morning and to pray with a group of men, forces me to be social. And I find that in my own, what I think is my own spiritual pursuit, following my own inner voice that I'm, that I'm feeling, it often leads me to depression, isolation, confusion, and it doesn't, I don't feel holy in that space. I feel holier when I put my own, what feels like my will aside, and I'm able to follow the halachic dictates, whether I believe that they come from God or not. So that, that's a way that I really appreciate because you're not doing it blindly. And you are not doing it because somebody told you that that's the way to live, that's it, and you believe that's the only way to live. I don't believe that. That's the way you see the, the things. You do it because you choose. You choose to do it because you feel that it makes you closer to God. It makes you closer to yourself. It makes you more energetic, more, more communicated with other people, with other words. Great. You choose it. Right. And so you are doing it not as a halakha. You're doing it as an advice. But am I choosing the golden calf? Or... No, no. You took the advice of the Torah. You think it's a very good advice for you, and you live with it. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's an act of, of free choice. And for me, for example, I feel very, very different from you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing a lot of of Jewish uh, uh, traditions. But, you know, when I'm going now and then, I'm visiting a, a shul, visiting a synagogue, the Orthodox synagogue, and I pray with them, of course. <laughs> it's it's for me very natural to pray in, in, in every kind of synagogue and every kind of temple. But of course, the synagogue, I, people I know, Hebrew, the prayers I know. But you know what? I pray with the with the minyan. I listen to the the chazan saying the chazaratan and chats. I feel so unconnected to that. I feel so detached from the words they use in the prayers. Not from all of them, but a lot of them. And something that it's not authentic for the language that I use to, to, to talk with God. So I do it now and then because I'm part of the community. But I personally feel that it's, it's not making me closer to God. It makes me far away from Him. So it's very personal. The issue is, the principle is, to, to, to come from you, you within and to do what you believe, as we said before. And if it makes you feel better to do it in the way that Jews and ultra-Orthodox Jews did it for several hundred of years, it's wonderful. They were very, very clever people. They were very high people. It's good advices, but it's not for, for everybody. Right, right. There's a beautiful image that the rabbis speak about when the Kabbalists as well, though, when Moses breaks the luchot, the, the tablets, yeah. what he's doing is he's breaking the idol, the palafa. He's yeah. saying, don't, don't worship this. Yeah. It's only stone. And the Midrash even say that God is saying, saying to Moses, Thank you. For Congratulations. Thank you. Right. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating medrash. And, and read, read through this lens as it begins to make sense. I, I'm wondering, though, because I'm, I'm in this space of, of exploring alternative ways of approaching religion and spirituality and, and Judaism from within an orthodox context. 
it seems like this is a path which you are passionate about and you're advocating for in some sense. And I wonder how much can we or should we be advocating for this? Are are we ready for it? Are people ready for it? Can, is it a message that can be heard at all? Will it lead to confusion and abuse? Will it lead to loneliness and isolation? Yes, it, it can lead. Of course, every everything can lead to another thing, as we know in the history of religions. We saw great ideas that were deteriorating to massacres and genocides and so on. We know all the examples, yes? So, everything can lead to anything. I can't be responsible for it, but... Having said that, of course, I'm not talking like that with uh, very young people or people who are, are not very uh, stable in their life. Of course, it's it's delicate thing. Yeah, it's a delicate issue, and of course, there 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 has to be a person that can can take that that knowledge and to do to know what to do with it so i'm i'm speaking about that in in my bet midrash to my 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 students to my pupils and to my friends and but it's not uh, an issue that you are talking in the radio and on television about it yes it's it's something uh, that you have to to be in a connection, in a real connection with a person, to, to talk with him like this. And you're speaking from experience. You spent yeah. many years speaking on radio and TV. Yeah, 20 years. And is this, are these ideas that you've had all those years and you kept more private and, and hidden? Yes, because I know that the, the, the public is not, is not ready for such kind of even words that will come out, you know, in broadcast uh, television. Right. Uh, I tried in the last years uh, of my television career, I tried to, to more delicately to put it in. To plant the seeds. Plant the seeds, to interview people that bring that or similar kind of, of, uh, of thinking. But now I feel more free to, to speak about it. What's changed? I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, getting my 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 paycheck from the from the state of Israel anymore. Rich from from public, public from public service. Yes. I I'm curious, and I hope this question doesn't come off as klutzbedik or rude. Um, and if it does, I apologize in advance. Do you feel like you're in some way enlightened? I had some moments in my life that I felt something like this, but I know that there is no one and nothing that is always enlightened. There's nothing such a thing in the world, not persons and not other things. But a lot of persons and a lot of entities in the world has special times that they are enlightened, yes. In that sense, yes, I, I, I had the few moments in my life that I felt that eye connection. Yes. Face to face. Yes. Face to face. Yes. And this, is, and this is a, and this is a belief that, that I'm guessing was incubated in those moments. Yes. Or strengthened in those moments. Yes. Yes. But it was very challenging because when you, you have that moment of face to face, you see an image. Hmm. And for a Jew, it's very, very confusing. But you have to realize that, that the image that you got is because you need some rain. Right. But it does say that in the other moment that you have the enlightenment, you will see the same image. Right. It's only a masacha. Right, a mask. And we always, always search to the panim bepanim. Right, right. One of one of the most beautiful lines in the book of Psalms is when when King David says or the author says, mm-hmm. um, and I'll put a translation here on the screen. But the beauty of that is that is that it's not clear 
who was speaking to, who was seeking you, who was hardest, whose face is being... Yeah, it's a love story. It's a love story. That's the, the, the real thing. It's a love story. But it's a love story with two, two, two gods. One big god, one small god, but very similar. Right. And it's a love story because in the moments of Panim and Panim, you can never know if it's it is you yourself yeah. or it's yes. the the ultimate other. Yes, both in the same same time. Yes. That's the kiss of the of that moment. Yes, thank you, Dove, for sharing this love story with us and for being here in encounter face to face. Thank you for for your splendid work. My pleasure. Thank you.